Wolf and Luke. And now we come to the thrilling final episode of our radio drama. Ron Wolfley. Yeah, baby, bring it on! Luke Lipinski. The great Luke Lipinski. You're <laughs> devaluing the word great if you follow with Luke Lipinski. <laughs> Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Final hour of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios on this Wednesday afternoon. We got Burns and Gambo coming up at 2. Nick Rallis is also going to talk to the media, be introduced to the media, I should say, I guess, at uh, at 2. Drew Petzing tomorrow at 2. Um, with Rallis specifically, Wolf, we were just talking about all the players that the Eagles have on defense that could become free agents this summer. Maybe you want to go back and scoop up one or two of those guys. Yeah. How about the fact that you have the number three pick in the draft, too, and you don't need to use your high pick on a quarterback? Mm. And it is a defense-heavy draft at the top of the draft. That is beautiful right there. Well done. Well played. So you would assume, right? Okay, pick third. Here's the scenarios, right? Okay, picking third. Chicago's picking first, and then uh, Houston's picking second. Okay, Chicago picking first. Let's go ahead and put Houston down for a quarterback, no matter what, right? Yeah. Okay. This is Houston the beauty. down for a quarterback and somebody trading into the number one spot. That's what you think will happen? Yeah. Okay. Well, if that happens, and it probably will, you're probably right, then the Cardinals will be sitting there at number three, and they could have Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. Yes. They have their pick of any non-quarterback in the entire draft. Here we go. Jalen Carter, three technique, the most destructive force in the football universe, or an edge rusher extraordinaire. Mm, that's good. I'll go with the edge on this one at number three. Thank you. And the reason why I say that, only only because I haven't done my full scouting report yet on Carter. I haven't done it on him. I hear things from some coaches. I hear some things from some guys that um, every now and then that motor may go off, man. You know what I mean? Like the switch is like he'll disappear in games. Does that sound like anybody that we've heard in the past? Well, let's, let's see. There's a lot of players that have come into the NFL, ladies and gentlemen, who had the same issue. That, that motor wasn't running high speed all the time. And I, I just, man, you can't miss when you're talking about taking the number two, number three player in the draft. Can't well, miss. That, that's it. Because didn't we hear that about Jordan Davis last year, too? But the conversation isn't, are you going to take Jordan Davis at three? You know what I mean? Like, Georgia last year, it's sick <laughs> how much talent Georgia had on defense. Jordan Davis, defensive tackle, Georgia. Davis is a beefy, burly, enormous defensive tackle with surprising quickness and athleticism. He is immovable inside and can be plugged right in to become one of the league's best run stoppers right away. While he does lack agility and is not a great pass rusher, his skill set can definitely translate to success in the right scheme. NFL comp, all-pro defensive tackle, Ted Washington. Ted Washington. What did you think about that right there? You like that? I just think it was ridiculous that Georgia had all this talent on defense (laughs) a year ago. And then if you talk to people that were there, they will tell you like, yeah, and everybody knew Jalen Carter was really the guy. He just wasn't playing as much, obviously, a year ago. Um, Yeah. I don't think you can go wrong with either one of those. But I, I, like you, like Will Anderson more for the Cardinals. Okay, so potentially, here's what I'll say to you, Basin Onions. A three technique, nobody is more destructive to an offense. If you've got a great, rare three technique, 
who impacts when they run the ball, whether you run it at them or away from them, and when you throw the ball with interior pressure. How important is interior pressure? If you've got a great three technique who can do all of it, um, that's the most destructive force in the football universe. You would take Carter because of that. I just don't think the motors are equal, and that bothers me. So Daniel Jeremiah weighed in with his, uh, his mock draft 2.0. Okay, so who is it? Cardinals, you going Will Anderson or you going Jalen Carter, right? We've had our discussion. We both like Will Anderson. Will Anderson. Daniel so. Jeremiah says, Will Anderson or Jalen Carter? Okay, his choice is Tyree Wilson. What? Huh? Tyree. Okay. Edge rusher out of Texas Tech. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe well. a break from Texas Tech for a year. <laughs> no Texas Tech. Okay. I, I, why? Why? What is his reasoning behind it? Can I hear from him? You can, actually. Uh, his reasoning in, in the actual mock draft uh, is just his quick line. says, first edge rusher off the board, question mark, over Will Anderson Jr., question mark, question mark. There's a lot of love for Wilson around the league. His combination of size, length, and production has teams very intrigued. Okay. Size, length, and production. Oh, beware, man. I know. That's, that scares me. I don't want to get caught up in that stuff at number three. How about just football player, man? A dude who loves the game and has all the physical gifts you could possibly want and goes out and plays the game with a motor. And then, it, you know, the way this draft plays out, the Colts take C.J. Stroud. Will Anderson's still there. He goes to the Seahawks at five. And Daniel Jeremiah's right up on that is, yes, this would indeed be a steal for the Seahawks. Well, good for them, Daniel. Yeah, I know. They don't get Will Anderson. No. Either the Bears take him or the Cardinals they take him. not. Uh, but here's his reasoning on putting uh, Tyree Wilson over Anderson for the Cardinals specifically. He's going to be taller. He's going to be longer. He's going to be more explosive. I think when you see the testing come out, he's going to run. He's going to probably run in the high four fives when it's all said and done with like some NBA type wingspan, like freakish wingspan. And then everybody say, well, oh, you're going traits over production. Well, this is different, you know, because I think this is going to be framed as what we had last year. I, I admire uh, the traits that you had last year with Trayvon Walker. And we were one of, I think both of us actually were pretty early on the Trayvon Walker train of this thing. This uh-huh. dude's going to go a lot higher than you guys think. That's what NFL of teams course, do. He went all the way up the board to number one. There's teams that are going to be traits, you know, traits based teams. I'll take the better player over the trades, please. Yeah, yeah, I just honestly, and what's so weird about that, too, is Will Anderson is also a guy that I believe he's a 4-5-5 guy, a 4-5-6 guy. I mean, he's right there. I'm, You know, I'm just clicking on the actual names on NFL.com because that's where this this uh, this mock draft is, and they have Will Anderson graded higher than Tyree Wilson. <laughs> it's like, well, wait a minute. Why, why are the Cardinals taking the lower-graded player? And it's not just that, too. It's It's the person that Will Anderson is, at least from everything I have heard, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe Daniel Jeremiah has specific information to Will Anderson that I do not, but he's not pointing out any of Will Anderson's flaws. Here's more from Daniel Jeremiah. And to be clear, this is not like we're not bashing Tyree Wilson, but I just think if you're picking number three, you just just take the best player. Don't be like, well, but look at his potential ceiling. It matters ceiling. to me that he plays for Alabama. Yeah. It matters. That, in this in case, SEC, this course. case, yes, I want the best 
safest pick if I'm picking top three. Or in the case of the Cardinals, they might be just picking the best player in the draft that isn't a quarterback if, if QBs go one and two. Here's more from Daniel Jeremiah. Here's the difference between this year and last year. Because last year, the gap between Hutchinson uh, and Trayvon Walker in production was immense. This year, when you look at it, Tyree Wilson has a higher pressure percentage. He has the highest pressure percentage in the draft. If you're looking at all the defensive linemen going to the combine, he's at 21.8%. I have to go back and look up Trayvon Walker's. It was way low, maybe 11%, I want to say off the top of my head. But it was a lower percentage there. Then you didn't have the sack production uh, last year with Walker as well. He had nine sacks. Will Anderson had 13. But again, he's got a higher pressure percentage. He's got a higher win percentage. So some of the analytics from the production standpoint actually favor Tyree Wilson, now you're you're bigger, you're longer, you're going to be more explosive, you're going to be a little more scheme versatile, I think, for the things you can do. I'm saying all this, I personally still, as a player, on my sequence list, have Will Anderson slotted a little bit ahead, but do I would I be surprised in the least if Tyree Wilson went over Will Anderson? Not at all. That's oh why I put goodness. this out there. Wow. Okay. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, of course, that's being fair, I guess. That's being fair. Um, although I would say when you say that about his his pressure rate, he plays in the Big 12 as opposed to the SEC. Well, yeah. I, I mean, you know, does that matter? It, yeah, it, it matters, does to me. It matters to me. I'm just trying to look at where his most productive games came last year. I mean, you know, Kansas State, Kansas State was a good team. Yeah, but team. he's talking about a pressure rate, so yeah. it's not like you're going to get... I'm not going to get that here. ...stats yeah. and pressures. But I'm just trying to see like where his biggest games statistically were. NC State, I, I just... I, I not They didn't play a bad schedule last year. Again, no. it's not a knock on Tyree no. Wilson, but it's... No, it isn't. This is what I'll say. I don't... And we don't know about Monty Austin Ford, how he handles this stuff. He might just trade the pick. I don't want them to take a guy based on what he does at the Combine. I'll just say that. If they have been watching all year and they're like, you know what, we like Wilson better, like, we just like what we saw in the games more, and they interview these guys, whatever. But if it's just, well, Tyree was a little bit taller at the Combine, no. <laughs> Please, no. Yeah, you know, also, too, you want a guy that is um, intelligent. You want a guy who is smart. So I, I don't know how they're going to measure that. I don't know how they're going to go about that. Um they're Wonderlick, uh, you know, that's a situation. Maybe the, you can do it individually, of course, but they're taking that away from we the, take that on the, the air combine. One day. So it's it's a situation where you've got to consider that more than anything else. I can tell you right now, Bill Belichick was a huge believer in that. He wanted smart, tough, physical football players. And it was because he was going to change the game plan. He was going to change right in the middle of a game. And it didn't matter if it was the middle of the first quarter. He didn't wait till halftime to come up and say, here's what we're going to start doing. And he wanted guys who would pick it up just like that. There's more to being a football player than just your traits. All right, we come back. What is the one thing that could potentially hold the Suns back this season? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, the NBA starts back up tomorrow. The Suns, though, don't play till Friday, obviously. No practice today, so not really any updates today. But I would guess tomorrow we can start to maybe try to piece some stuff together. 
on whether or not Kevin Durant uh, is going to play Friday or Sunday uh, in Milwaukee against the Bucks. Friday, of course, here against Oklahoma City, a game that ESPN is now broadcasting. Brian Windhorst said he's flying out here for the game, so we'll see. It's going to be a lot of disappointed out-of-towners if they all show up at the game and Kevin Durant's not playing. Yeah. No doubt about it. I'm a big Friday's Damian. Friday's going. You just got to feel that. You just got to believe that's what's happening right now. ESPN believes that's happening. You think that's happenstance right there? No. I, mean, I know that you had Brian Windhorst talking about he's been hedging his bet a little bit in regard to Kevin Durant. But he's coming out here. But he's coming out here. I Yeah, you just got to think right now, yeah, okay, maybe he doesn't play, but it seems more likely he is. I'm a big Damian Lee guy. I don't think Brian Windhorst is flying out here to watch Damian Lee. Yeah, I think um, you're right. The, the the clear answer to the question we posed going to break that we're going to take out of this conversation, because that's too simple, of what could potentially hold the Suns back here the rest of the season, that's injuries. And, and that's that's the case with any potentially great team, is what could derail them is injuries. So let's set that aside for a second. Let's, Especially when you have Chris Paul on your team yeah, and Kevin and Durant. Kevin Durant. Um, but let's set that aside and say, did you just want to say they have Chris Paul and Kevin Durant? I, did. I wanted to say that once again, <laughs> just to <laughs> Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker. Oh, yeah. oh and DeAndre. Oh, yeah. Too. Okay. Um, let's set that aside for a second. What do you see as, as the thing that could get in the Suns' way? Is it a team? Is themselves. It, yeah. Themselves. That, that, honestly, I don't want to make it sound like there's nobody out there who could beat them because that's certainly not the case. I do believe the Boston Celtics, if you're going to look at another team that could possibly beat maybe the Milwaukee Bucks, a team that could possibly beat uh, the Phoenix Suns, yeah, you know what? But if you're not ready to ball, if you're not ready to go, if you're not ready to give all that you have, all the talent in the world um, doesn't matter. And that's why it comes back to how do you feel inside Kevin Durant? How do you feel inside Devin Booker? How do you feel Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton? How do you guys feel inside about being a team that is favored now? Where everybody, oh, it's the Phoenix Suns. They're going to win the Western guy. They're just saying it as a matter of fact. The Suns are going to win the West. We, we've heard some hardcore analysts actually say that. Oh, here. I've, I've got some right here. I've got Mark J. Spears from the Hoop Collective today. Like, Phoenix, they're only four and a half out of the second spot. And, like, Denver's too far away. I don't think they'll mess with Denver. But if, if they could get it rolling, um, I, I do think I expect them at minimum to at least move up in the top four in the West, if not even better. Uh, you know, Memphis had, didn't go into the break playing that well. Here's uh, Brian Windhorst. Durant's really good on defense. Durant's a basket protector. So the, he's you know, he's going to help him defensively. And, um, you know, Torrey Craig is a good defensive player. Um, you know, I, I, I think they're going to, you know, in the West, it's, it's uh, wide open. Um, you know, I think that they've got to love their chance. That's, we are talking about this earlier, Wolf. No disrespect to what the Nuggets have done this season. But they have to do it in the playoffs. And I say that because I watched the Suns win 64 games last year and not do it in the playoffs. Utah the year before actually had a better record than the Suns. They've dismantled their team because they couldn't get it done in the playoffs. Yes. You have to do it in the playoffs. Denver's a really good team. If you told me the Suns and Nuggets were going to play a best-of-seven series starting in a week when I know the Suns are healthy— 
I like the Suns' chances. Now, I mean, Denver's got Jokic. They've got Jamal Murray this time. They've got all these pieces. They've, they're 41-18. and 18, But I don't really care about your regular season record after the last couple of years. And the other part of this that's going to get wild is now, now we're past that stage of the season where it's like, oh, you know, Golden State's just kind of biding sure. their time. Or, there's 22 games left. Yeah. Golden State is in the play-in tournament right now. New Orleans is in the play-in. That was a team that I thought could give the Suns some issues. Zion doesn't play anymore. He's, again, just not even playing. So those are two teams in the play-in tournament right now that I would assume at least Golden State's going to go on a run here at some point and get out of it. The Western Conference is going to get crazy starting tomorrow. You know, for me, again, um, I'm thinking of the Phoenix Suns, and you, yeah, there's no doubt uh, the West is going to be brutal. It's going to be tough. This is going to be fascinating to watch this all come down the last 22, 23 games for the Phoenix Suns here, of course, and what it means going into the postseason. But can I just say right now, human nature, man, human nature is the biggest scare here if you are a Phoenix Sun, because... These guys are human beings, and you look around and you go, oh, look, it's Chris Paul, and that's Devin Booker, and oh my goodness, that's Kevin Durant, and DeAndre Ayton, and we've got some other pros as well, and we've got a a bench that we like. We've got James Jones as our general manager, and Monty Williams. Overconfidence, complacency is the biggest enemy and biggest threat to the Phoenix Suns right now because of human nature. Because that's the way that it goes. If you are a human being, you're subject to human nature. That's one of the reasons why I want to see these guys. I want to hear about these guys talking about it in the open. That nothing is granted. Nothing is guaranteed. This is competition. I want an open conversation going on inside that son's locker room. If somebody could tell me that is the the the, the hottest topic inside that locker room is not being complacent, I I would I would almost guarantee, barring injury, that they are going to win the Western Conference. That's how confident I am in the talent that they have. If, in fact, you tell me they're sitting around and they're challenging each other not to be complacent. Whatever you do, do not allow yourself to think we're going to win this. And then, as soon as I say that, I think of Greg Popovich with his text. Don't skip steps, Monty. You know what? Those three words right there. Summed up by Greg Popovich, encapsulates all of this, Luke. Yeah, I got it right here. We know that we have a lot of work to do, and that for me, it's just a step-by-step process. Uh, I got a text message from Coach Pop, and he just said, "Don't skip steps," you know, and that's something that he taught us a long time ago, and that, that's something that I'm going to lean on. Think about that. So that is man. somebody in there saying it. That's, that's the head coach saying it. That, that's the head coach. But again, the players, see, this is where, you know, coach, you're saying that. That's great. That's great. Players even know that coaches, this is what they do. It's the accountability player to player that has the greatest impact. And you know that if you play down at the Y. If you play down at the Y and the best player at the Y challenges you to do something or not do something, you, you, you're, you're probably... You're, you're, you're going to listen to them. You know, with, with a coach, sometimes it gets, okay, coach, you're being a coach, and you just say that. Yeah, we what, get a coach. You what, always exactly say this. Exactly right. Yeah. This yeah. is what coaches say when um, player-to-player is the accountability here, and they need to be talking about 
human nature and complacency this, and how to fight it. This is where the pain from last season might actually help the Suns a little bit because when you say the players have to be talking about this, to me, I think of three main players, and then the other guys will either fall in line or they just won't play. Yeah. So it's Chris Paul, who's never won a title. Yeah. It's Devin Booker, who's never won a title. Booker and Paul were both here last year, obviously, for the humiliation of that that series loss to Dallas. Uh, Chris Paul has had this, I mean, every, I saw a list today when we walked in here, which players, I think it was Stephen A. Smith, which players need a title more than anybody else this year who has the most pressure. It's always Chris Paul, number one on that list nationally, because yes. he's played as long as he has, and he's been as great as he has, and he doesn't have a title. And that is that is the narrative on him at this point. Booker's been here specifically in Phoenix through the tough times. I just don't think those two are going to let up. And I don't think Durant's going to let up because this is a chance. Maybe he cares about legacy. Maybe he doesn't. But if he wins a title with the Phoenix Suns, that is a much bigger deal than going to a loaded Golden State team, which, by the way, he was the finals MVP when they won those titles. But in terms of how he's viewed, this is a much bigger deal. And for him, he can just, it's another champion. I just, I don't think he's going to let up either. Yeah, but see, that's one of the reasons why it's so dangerous and why you need to talk about about it is because that's what is dangerous about complacency. You think you're going, you think you're, but you're really not as locked in as you should be. That's the danger of it. That's why you got to talk about it. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, the Coyotes are on a nine-game point streak, now five games above 500 at home, and they've only played, like, what, 23 home games, so it's tough to be five games above 500. What exactly is going on? We're going to ask their head coach, Andre Turney. He'll join us next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. This is the Coyote Coaches Show with Wolf and Luke. Coyotes back in action tonight at Mullet Arena. Late start against the Calgary Flames. Coyotes points in nine straight games, Wolf. Their best such streak since 2012. When they went to so good finals. to see that happening right there, right? Just rolling. Yeah, the uh, the guy who's got them playing pretty good hockey joins us on the Arizona Sports Line right now, head coach Andre Turney. Uh, Bear, thank you for the time. As always, 3-0-1 in your last four. Uh, a nice overtime win against Columbus on Sunday. How are you feeling about your group right now? So really good. Obviously, the, uh, the boys are... Not just the way. Not just that we we win games. The guys are excited. They they play hard. They they're smiling every day. They're happy to be at the ring. They're happy to be together. So it makes the environment really fun. Where do you think, Bear? You guys have improved the most over the last ten games. Uh, I will say the All Star break, the eight day off. <laughs> that's where we improved the most. I think that's. Uh, we were on the stretch, you know, you, everybody talk about our schedule in the first half was really tough. We started 20 of 24 in the road, and then just before the All-Star, we just finished 15 games in 26 days. It's, 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 it's insane. It's really tough. So, uh, you know, when you're in it, you feel, you feel tired, obviously, but you don't know how tired you are. You know, you just know you're tired. And it, I think it's when on the fifth day, um, fifth day off where, I realized, okay, now I start to be a little bit more myself. Again, I, I'm rested and I, I'm feeling much better. So it took five days, really, and I mm. talked to Patrick Nemeth and other guys in the team, and they felt the same. It took four or five days before they, they 
they went to train and they felt they were not tired. Nemo told me train after four days and said I was still exhausted. And and then after the fifth day, I felt better. Day number six, I felt good. So long story short, we were that tired. So I think that is was a big uh, big game breaker for us. Talking to Coyotes head coach Andre Tourney, uh Bear Connor Ingram started the year. You know he's kind of the new guy on the team. hadn't played a lot of NHL games. He's been lights out over, especially the last three games. He stopped 104 of 106 shots faced, but it's really since the the start of January. What have you seen from him that that might be different? Different? It's like, um, not necessarily different. I think he's uh, like you like you said. It's his first full year in the NHL. Uh, he arrived in the team. We we talk about it before, but I don't. I'm not sure the people can really understand how tough of a situation we put him in. In the sense of, he did not. He had kind of a four or five days of training camp. Then they flew in Europe with the, with Nashville. He, he played only one period in a month, and then after they came back and the, he went through waivers, came with us, and between his half game and his first NHL game, there's a month. If that happened in February, it's one thing. But when that happened in the start of the season, you can say something like 90% of the, the, the time you've been with the team, you did not play. So it, it was kind of a baptism uh, by, by fire there. And he had a tough start. We did not help him in the first game. And then after, you don't play on the regular base. You play every 10 days or two weeks. And it's tough to get your rhythm. And yeah, it's, it's a new situation for him because he's always been a starter in the AHL or in junior. So for, for him to adapt and to take his rhythm and to to to, to, learn, to get used to the schedule and the system and the new team, and it's always an adaptation there. So uh, I think he, he does a really good job, and he gets better every day. So, Bear, it's so interesting to me because you're eight games under five hundred right now on the season, and yet you're five games over five hundred at home at Mullet. Yep. What, do you have any theories on that? <laughs> But like I said, I think the the, the schedule uh, at some point when we arrive in the in the month of January, we played. Uh, if I remember well, it's eight eight games out of uh, out of twelve at the end of our stretch of fifteen games and twenty six days on the road. So those those are the moments where we were the most vulnerable, where we were the most tired, where we uh, we struggled the most. And we were on the road. So I think that's one of the explanations for sure. And when you're at home, you have the last change. And it's easier to, by having the last change, it's easier to, to, to flip the momentum. Give an example. Uh, let's say the other team has the momentum. They put their third line, fourth line. But we can put Keller's line and say, okay, mm. let's have our first line playing against their fourth line and get a shift in the ozone when you get the momentum and you, you can do those kind of thing and your opponent cannot do anything about it. When you're on the road, you cannot do that. Anytime I put your best line, he has the last change. He decide who's playing against them. You don't have that ability to influence the momentum of the game, which you have at home. And as the reverse, when you have a lead, the opponent, when you're on the road, they can do that to you which yeah, nothing you can do about it. When you're at home, every time they put their best line, you can put shut, you can shut them down. You can put player to have that kind of a mission or role, or even if it's your first line, they know 
because you need the you need to, to be aware of those situations. So there's it's easier to shift the momentum at home than on the road. We're talking to Coyotes head coach Andre Turney. Uh, Andre, I was talking to Matias Michelli after the game the other night because he set up the game-winning goal from uh, Barrett Hayton, and, and every one of his teammates it felt like walked by during the interview telling him he needs to shoot the puck more. <laughs> and I just kind of laughed because, I mean, the guy is, is number one among all NHL rookies in assists, but I'm looking at it. He is 18th on the team in shots on goal. Do you want him to shoot more? Yes, I do. It's, it's, like, it's like the pitcher who has a really good fastball. If you throw only his fastball, what will happen at some point? Yeah, they'll, yeah, they'll catch right. it. Yeah, they'll figure it out. Yep. There we go. That's you got it. But if you throw a few curveball here and there, a few change up here and there, still his best pitch is his fastball. And he will still get you with his fastball at some point. But you don't know when the fastball is coming. If you know which pitch is coming, you at some point the, the league will adapt to you. And you may have a good few months. You may have a good rookie season. But then at some point, they will look at you and they will know what's coming. They will know the pitch is coming and they will sit on it and you won't find the ball. Uh, he, she will be gone. So that's that's what you have to do as a hockey player as well. So uh, he needs to mix it up. He sees the ice. He's a pass-first guy. There's no doubt about it. But he needs to take the right decision. If the pass is not there, take a shot. Because the point is sometimes the pass is not there and you try to pass still. That's what he, he needs to adapt. Is if the pass is there, we know you're a pass first, and your line mate expect the pass and make the pass, and no problem with that. But if the pass is not there, take the shot. So but, then the next time the opponent, they don't know what's coming. Yeah. They, 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 because you already have two shots in that game, so now they may think, oh, he, will, he may shot here, and boom, the pass is coming. You surprise everybody. Yeah, I'm sorry for stepping all over you, Bear. <laughs> Would you say the same thing to Clayton Keller? Yeah, Kels, Kels, absolutely. And that is where Kels is a few years ahead of, of Chelly on on that in the sense of he, he is a pass-first guy. Mm-hmm. And he needs to be reminded. He he tells me sometimes coming to the bench and he said, ah, I should have shoot that one. And yeah, yeah, you should have. And we work with him, especially early in the game. It's, again, it's, it's your baseball theory. It's, if you if you start the game only with your best pitch, they will be ready to start the game. So mix it up early for Kelsey. Put some pucks at the net early, and then the play will open up mm-hmm. because now they will play the shot. The pass will be open. You need to prepare your next pitch all the time, and it's the same thing in hockey. Bear, we appreciate the time as always. You got Calgary tonight. Good luck. Thank you, guys. Have a great week. Thank you, Bear. You too. That's Coyotes head coach Andre Turney joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. Yeah, Michelli has uh, 28 points and 29 shots. <laughs> I don't know that anybody's ever had that ratio this late in the season. Pretty incredible. Uh, all right, when we come back, the Cardinals continue to fill out their coaching staff. Are you worried at all that it is as young as it is? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, we're going to talk football here because Nick Rallis is about to be introduced in about 15 minutes. But first, uh, this Wolf from Brian Windhorst today. What are you hearing about the timeline for Kevin Durant's return to the floor? 
Yeah, Friday's game on ESPN against the Thunder, I'm not sure that's when we're going to see Durant make his son's debut. Uh, he hasn't played in six weeks, and I know he said over the weekend at Salt Lake City in the All-Star uh, festivities that his knee was feeling good, but there is a, a desire for Durant to get a five-on-five live contact workout tomorrow in Phoenix and then see how his knee reacts to that um, before yeah. you know proceeding to you know being activated. Now, Neither Durant nor the Suns are ruling out Friday's game, but I think the you know within within Durant's camp and within the team, there's an expectation that Sunday's game in Milwaukee, which is a Saturday afternoon ABC Showcase game, or next week they play in Charlotte as part of a long road trip, uh, could be more likely than Friday against the Thunder. Oh, Thanks, oh. Brian. Where's the button? What are you doing? Oh, I left it in my car. Where's your panic button that goes off every time you set well, your back you know, down? I know. It's, it's behind the screen no, right now. I can't to, reach I it and everything. Panic oh, no, Brian. Don't say that. You don't... Okay, know it, do you? <laughs> he didn't say definitively. <laughs> he didn't say definitively, but yeah. Now I have to okay. recalibrate to 93 hours and 14 minutes. Oh, that so just honestly right now, that, would, uh, that will suck buttermilk. Legit. Boy, I hope they take that out on Oklahoma City if he's not able to play. I hope Josh Akogi drops 28. Yeah, okay. I guess we're playing for keeps. No, <laughs> we're playing without Kevin Durant. Sorry. Look, you gotta be you got to be smart about it. But you do need to get this team healthy and together and playing, you know, not not by like April sixth where you got two games before the playoffs. This team needs to play together again. It's it's not. Well, I don't know if Kevin Durant will remember how to play basketball. It's, yeah, it's not right. that. Monty Williams has a bunch of new pieces he has to fit together. Yeah, so he's got to do that. He's got to have a chance to do it. Yeah, if Brian Windhorse is also accurate on his the running plays that Kevin Durant has been running for years, which it does make an awful lot of sense. Um. Yeah, you know what? Instead of it being debooked, maybe it's Kevin Durant running the play. I'm not worried. If you're telling me the playoffs start on Sunday and Durant hasn't played, I'm not worried about Durant in the first game. You know what I mean? I'm just worried about how everybody fits around them yeah. and, and Monty Williams knowing who to you want to, to know rotate the pieces in. Fit. I, I want Monty to know how the pieces fit. Uh, all right, now let's get back over to football. Now that Brian Windhorst just ruined my afternoon, although he was not definitive, he was not definitive at all. He was just hedging it. Um, the Cardinals are going to introduce Nick Rallis here in about eleven or twelve minutes, and um, he is twenty nine. Wolf. Yeah. Uh, Drew Petzing is 35. Jonathan Gannon is 40. That's a young coaching staff. Now, a coaching staff in the NFL is not three guys. And I know Jonathan Gannon has said he's yeah. going to bring in some more experienced, you know, consultants or advisors or whatever. But right now, the, your main three guys, that's a young group. It is a young group right there. <laughs> and it, it, I'm going to be honest with you. It terrifies me a little bit because let's face it, there's a blending of the old and the new that has to happen here. I, at least I. That's that's my opinion. Yes, it has been my opinion for a long time. I forgot Wolf has the hat backwards, so anything goes the same. Yeah, exactly. And because of that, it does. It, it terrifies me a little bit because of Brandon Staley, <laughs> right? Brandon Staley. Let's just see what the analytics says. Forget about read the room. We're just going to go with the analytics and what that says, and you're going to have to like it. And I'm not just talking about on fourth down as well, but it's also a philosophy of, of how you have to train humans to play in an NFL game. You know, the, now they limit how many times you can actually put pads on 
they limit how many padded practices you can actually have, 14 padded practices during a season. (laughs) Think about that. They limit that. So I understand you can only do so much from time to time. But when you are in pads, what do you do? How do you work? When you don't have pads, what do you do? What's the tempo like? How do you work? Football is hard, Basinonians. It's played by hard people. That's what you would ask Nick Rallis as your first question. We've been trying to come up with the first question all day. Aren't you going to ask him how he's going to practice? Yes. I, mean, I know a lot of that's the head coach, but wouldn't you ask? I, yeah, I did. And I asked Jonathan Gannon as you well. You did. You how, absolutely did. How are you going to practice? What do, do you believe in practicing hard? And he was like, "Hey, yes. Once we get out on the field, we're gonna we're gonna go hard. But when we're done, I'm not I'm not this guy that believes in taking him out there for two hours, running him around out there for a full two hours. We're gonna get our work done and we're gonna get off the field. I, I think that's a great way to proceed. Just do it with tempo. Do it with I don't care if you have the pads on or not. Do it with a desire and an intent to mimic." The speed of a game, if you will. Now, you can't go full. I know that. You can't do it. If a guy's lined up and he's got the eggshells that he's wearing on his shoulder pads, you know, and they're wearing the cap instead of the helmet, I I don't know. I'm just saying um, you've got to pick the tempo up and practice. And I wonder if if Nick Rollis feels that way. I think now that we've done the full show and um, and we've gone back and forth of what our first question would be, I think realistically your first question, you, you wouldn't even be able, it wouldn't be a question. You would just raise your hand and yell Oklahoma drill yeah. and just see what his reaction was. Yeah, Nick, what do you, how do you feel about Oklahoma being eliminated or outlawed in the National Football League? <laughs> This is. I, I would love. Honestly, that is a great question. Today is the first day of real hitting. Full pads, full contact. Oh, yeah. The day's highlight is the Oklahoma drill. Football at its most fundamental. And everybody's watching. We should do this this year for Halloween. We all get to pick each other's Halloween costume. Yeah. Yours should be the Oklahoma drill. I don't know how you're going to do it. And I know it's a very meta, but okay. you're going to have to figure out a way to do it. You know how I do it, metaphorically speaking? Uh-uh. Um, I'd have a fake axe in my head <laughs> and blood all over my face. What would you do if you walked out in public like that on Halloween and somebody's like, Oklahoma drill. I mean, exactly. How about that? In Oklahoma, speaking of that, I'd, I'd have overalls on. As well, in cowboy boots. Obviously. So they would thank Oklahoma. <laughs> See, you've done it. We've got to wait eight months for you to execute this. There now. it is right there, <laughs> in a nutshell. It terrifies me that these guys are so young. Um, and I don't know them. I know they're qualified based on earnings. There's no way that Jonathan Gannon's going to bring a coach into his coaching room that is not qualified. There's no way that's going to happen. But it does terrify me only because I'm wondering if they're too analytical, too analytic centric, so to speak, where, you know, Brandon Staley is a guy who is like that. And I'm not just talking about fourth down. I'm talking about all of it. Yeah. How this new age philosophy, you have to remember the base that football is hard and it's played by hard players. It's, it's brutal is what it is. You have to prepare a human being to be 
in a brutal situation. There's just so much unknown right now, and this is an especially weird time for sports here, right? Because we're talking about, okay, the Cardinals. Well, you know, Jonathan Gannon's saying the right things. Uh, hopefully Nick Rallis says the right things here in a couple of minutes. Hopefully, you know, Drew Petzing says the right things. But but it's not, it's all going to be, let's wait and see what you do. Matt Ishbia says the right things, yeah. right? But you, although he's actually somebody who's done something because he's already traded for Kevin Durant. Matt Ish. We're hearing all the right things. We've seen, we've all watched Kevin Durant play basketball for 10 plus years. We, You know he's going to fit in, but we're, he's, we're not actually get to see it yet. Yeah. Like we're not actually getting to see any of the stuff in action. We talked to Mike Hazen earlier, getting ready for spring training, but nobody's actually playing yet. This is the calm before several storms. Yes, boy, I would love to see a mentor coach brought on staff. When you love a mentor coach, oh, I don't know, Mike Zimmer, he kind of would fit like a glove. Um, I think Mike Zimmer was very influential with him. Um, and although I do think he has a lot of beliefs in new age thoughts and, and, mm-hmm. and analytics, um, you can tell by the way he calls his defense. Um, if you watch the Philadelphia defense, especially this year, I mean, it's amazing that in um, whatever they played 20 games, they played 20 games this year. You know, he called a zero blitz eight times in 20 games. <laughs> You, well, when you have a lead, a lot of times you're not going to be blitzing out there, okay? That's just what I'm going to say. You've obviously never watched me play Madden, but go ahead. I, I would love that. Bring a dude in who, uh, th- this older guy that would sit around the big rectangle with all that experience and just remind these guys what the game of football still is all about. It's played from the soul first. Go out and drive somebody into the ground. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they're going to Remember that because Jonathan Gannon already used the B word, violence. Nick Rallis press conference coming up here in just a few moments. I, I just we all had under two oh nine as uh, as when he is asked oh, or right. mentions yes. Isaiah Simmons. He doesn't even have to be asked; he can just mention it on his own. All right, that's it for us. Thanks to Aaron Maloney, Jesse Morrison behind the glass for Wolf. I'm Luke. We got Burns and Gambo next on nine, on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Peace and strength.